I think that a lot of the boogeymans that we face were created by intelligence services. We know that al-Qaeda was created by the U.S. government. We know that uh, ISIS was created by the U.S. government. We know that major governments don't want to attack us because they'd rather trade with us. Uh, and so that's why we believe in making the U.S., as Joe likes to call it, one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. We bring the troops home. We end the epidemic of veteran suicides and veteran PTSD and veteran traumatic brain injury and all sorts of other terrible things, not to mention the countless deaths and suffering that have happened in the countries that our government has brutalized for the past several decades. We end it and allow the healing to begin. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my real truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Bam! Well, hello. How you doing? I am doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, this this crazy lockdown that's just been going on for so long for so many people, it's been wild. I've been hanging in there the whole time. I mean, it hasn't really affected me too much other than the immorality. Of it all. Yeah. Of it all. And now we have, you know, Amazon warehouses and flames and stuff. And people are are really feeling the weight of everything that's been happening sure. um, at the hands of the state, obviously, we, as only you and I and fellow libertarians can do. We can point at all the problems and where the state has either created them or perpetuated them, you know? Absolutely. So, and, you know, and again, mm-hmm. I always tell people this, guys, it's about power. It's not about anything else. It isn't about racism. It isn't about riots. It isn't about COVID-19. It's about mm-hmm. control. And it's mm-hmm. about controlling you and your actions and how to suppress your freedom of speech, your right to own guns, your right to protest, your right to choice. To privacy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is- okay, Well, that's the part, that's what it, we need to direct the conversation toward. Exactly. And at least at some point, it needs to be it there. It needs to yes. go there. It does. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about control. And you know what? Speaking of control, we have a really special guest. He is mm-hmm. actually the, uh, let me just introduce him because this individual Please. is against control. This individual is there to fight for liberty. This individual is there to give your rights back. And we are joined with Jeremy Spike Cohen. He is an American activist, entrepreneur, and podcaster at My Fellow Americans at Muddy Waters Media, who is the Libertarian Party's nominee for Vice President of the United States in the 2020 election. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot, Raylene. Are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Spike Cohen! Bam! Spike, welcome to the show. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Raylene. How are you doing? I'm doing great. 
I thought you were going to be like, yeah, thank you so much for that awesome intro. Well, that was the thing. I didn't I didn't know what to do there because I, I know <laughs> I'm trying to picture the, the sound effects and I'm like, when do I come in like, <laughs> like that, you know, like. With All of this can be edited. Ben is amazing. <laughs> ben Weigold is an amazing editor. It's like jump on the you goddamn f- spaceship, man. Let's go. Yeah, man. How are, how are y'all doing? Bruh, I'm surviving. I'm living my best life. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, even even despite whatever's going on. But let's talk about you. I mean, how are you doing? What what a whirlwind. How do you feel right now with everything that's been going on? I'm living in a fantasy right now. It is insane. Like, I mean, you kind of picture what this is going to be like when you get, you know, if you get the nomination, or at least I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's on a completely, and I guess it's sort of happening how I envision, but once it's actually happening, there's a difference between you envisioning it and you actually existing in it. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, going from where, you know, however many and Money Waters media always had a good reach in terms of, you know, our, our podcasts and our shows and so forth. But this has taken it to a completely different level. And uh, I now no longer have control of my schedule. I have people that do my scheduling. So like, you know, when people would say, you know, I'd love to have you on my show or I'd love to. And I'm like, oh, you'll have to talk with my scheduling. <laughs> and luckily, you know, who, what? that's, that's funny. That's happening? funny because you don't even run your life anymore. And it's like it, it, it's your manager, Matt Hicks. Yeah, it, no, this is this is peak libertarianism when you don't control any aspect of your life anymore. <laughs> but voluntarily, I did choose this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's the that's the silver lining there. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, between Matt and Brian, they're the ones that handle my uh, my scheduling and I have people handling my communications. And, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. It is definitely an experience. And I'm, I'm definitely learning my new normal where my only real job in life, other than just, you know, being a husband and, and you know, taking care of our dog and, you know, trying to, you know, stay sane during all of this is just to show up to stuff and talk right. and not worry about the back end of it or anything else and, and really not worry about anything other than just showing up and saying things and, uh, and, and you know, and being an act- activist and being an advocate for freedom. Dude, sure. that's great. And so... <sighs> Actually, you're the first podcaster ever, not even just a libertarian podcaster, but the first podcaster ever to get a nomination for a national office. Holla. So congratulations, man. I you're am like, the personification of all internet libertarians everywhere. We finally <laughs> won. The comment section on Reddit finally won. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I'm the, so I'm the first uh, podcaster. That's actually the first time that's been brought to my attention, but I guess that, that must be true. I'm also yeah, the first. Yeah, it would be. Yes. No, I said it. True. It's I mean, true. Yeah. who else would be? Although, I mean, technically, Joe Biden has a podcast now, but no one watches it. But uh, what else? I'm, uh, I'm also the. <laughs> yeah, like no, one it's like his yeah. wife and um, whoever has his. Um, I remember <laughs> those days. But I'm also the first uh, millennial to oh. be on it. Yeah. Interesting. I did, yeah. I didn't even think of that because I'm I'm just on the cusp between millennial and, and Gen X. So I mm-hmm. didn't even really think about that. But someone brought that to my attention a couple of days after I got the nomination. They're like, you know, you're the first millennial on a presidential ticket in the U.S. history. And I'm like, <laughs> that's wow. not true. Um, that's amazing. What a great thing to capitalize on. It's uh, crazy. So now I, you know, I speak yeah. of avocado toast eaters everywhere. And it's, <laughs> uh, you know, the, it's a big, uh, a big burden to sit on my shoulders, but I, I, I try to shoulder it well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I mean, the thing is, this is what we wanted, right? We wanted to have a principled libertarian ticket you know so right. often we're told that we have to just suck it up and have you know eh, pretty close to what we right, agree with some old and, yeah 
some, you know, kind of an interpretation of, of, of what we want, you know, better mm-hmm. than the Republicans and Democrats, sort of the whole lesser evil thing. But Joe Jorgensen and I are, you know, radical principled libertarians. I mean, Joe, obviously your presentation is much more uh, pragmatic and traditional, but a lot of people confuse that with being a moderate and she's not. Um, I agree. Funny when, yeah. when I got the nomination, I thought, okay, let me go to, to this lady's website and see. <laughs> okay, you didn't that's even know amazing. Who she was. You get all of a sudden, you're like, who's my boss, right? <laughs> I, yeah, and I click on her issues page and I'm like, you know, and I'm already thinking, like, you know, what, what am I going to be able to spin? What am I going to, you know, just have to not mention? Because you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, give up on my principles, but I also don't want to throw her under the bus. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to do here? And so I'm, I'm reading her policies and I'm like, I don't find anything here I disagree with. That's right. And then I, I pull up the Libertarian Party platform and I look at her her issues page and the, the platform and I'm like, this is basically just a rewording of the most principled interpretation of the Libertarian Party platform. That's right. But That's right. Reworded to focus on how it benefits people because the majority of people just they don't care about the praxis or the or the philosophy behind mm-hmm. it. They don't care about the libertarian ethos. They want to know how it's going to benefit them. That's their that's, that's their concern. How's it yeah. benefit me and my, my family and my loved ones and everything else? And so it's worded in that way, but it is a very principled interpretation of the libertarian platform. So we got what we wanted. If you are a quote unquote radical, if you are a principled, you know, doctrinaire libertarian, you got what you wanted here. I love that. Can I ask you? So we know that there are a lot of people that with our with our same exact philosophies that just don't want to vote because they don't want to participate in the system. They don't want to legitimize it or they're very shied away from LP politics. And and I can understand that. I think all of us understand that. So yes. what let's give you the floor and you convince them to vote. You tell them why they should vote for you guys and why that you think it's important for the non-voting anarchists and libertarians to to really do it this time and, and why you're not Gary Johnson. Sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, let, you know, let me first say I was one of those anarchists. I was one of those people who said, no, voting is violence. Uh, voting is me trying to I- impose myself uh, in a violent way through the state by proxy. And the fact is, voting is violence, mm-hmm. but there's it such is. a thing as defensive violence. That's right. Yeah, that's right. This is defensive violence, and uh, so to the to the voting is violence people. And again, I'm one of them as one of my fellow voting is violence people. Mm-hmm. This is defensive violence. If you read our platform, if you read what it is we want to do, we don't ever say a thing that we think government should really be doing. We're talking about all the things government should not be doing. And and we're not presenting ourselves as an anarchist ticket or anything like that for many reasons. But we're presenting ourselves as a ticket that says that in every single situation, government is either creating the problem, making the problem worse or creating the problem and making it worse, and that we seek to reduce government as much as possible from that specific arena or issue, uh, all the way down to removing it entirely in some cases, in order to have people live better lives as a result of the state not being involved in that part of their life. And of course, the underlying message there is that whenever the state is involved in an area of your life, it's going to get worse as a result of the state's That's right. involvement. That's right. Um, so that is what our our message is and what, what we promise. I mean, we're talking about abolishing the ATF, abolishing the DEA, abolishing the IRS. Last night we did an, uh, an AMA and someone asked, 
Joe what her thoughts were on the fair tax. And she said, I support any uh, fair tax as long as the tax rate is zero percent. Mm-hmm. And that's Bam. what we are pushing for. Bam. Um, so I would, so that's what I would say to that group, to the, to the voting is violence group. Mm -hmm. And in a similar fashion to the group of people who they're not necessarily against voting, they're just sick of the LP putting up, you know, retired Republicans and and running them and saying this, this should be good enough. Uh, and I don't dislike Gary Johnson by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. I think as Republican politicians go, he was about as libertarian as it got. Mm -hmm. Uh, but with that said, we are a distinctly libertarian party and our, our platform calls for a very doctrinaire application of the libertarian uh, philosophy about self-ownership, that we own our lives, we own our bodies, we own our labor, we own the product of our labor, our our property, and any attempt to take from any of those things is an act of aggression which cannot stand and which is not legitimate and should not be legitimized. And so we are that interpretation of that platform. So for anyone who, you know, wants real libertarians running for office and who got sick of the libertarian party because we kept putting up people that just sort of fell short of that this is your ticket. Mm-hmm. It's finally happened. You've got two down the line libertarians. And in Joe, you have someone who has been a member of the party for something like, uh, I believe, 30 years. She has never not been. A, she was she went from being an independent in college to being a libertarian and has never left or strayed or anything else. And in me, you have someone that has for uh, the better part of a decade been a hardcore libertarian and, and for the past few years been an anarchist. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is the this is the ticket that you have wanted. This is is the true messaging of the true libertarian platform and libertarian philosophy. I'm with you, man. And you doing know, a great the, job right now. Selling yeah, it. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very good response to that question. And the thing is, man, is I didn't, okay, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see Joe Jorgensen winning. I didn't even really look at her before, you know, my bad. That was my fault. And yep. I was so focused on what is Hornberger doing? What is this guy doing? You know, what is Mons doing? You know, and I just right, kind of right. overlooked her and it, it was my fault. But then when I did Hashtag see what, patriarchy, just kidding. Oh, come <laughs> on. I'm a white guy. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, what I'm saying though is man, when I did research her yeah. and I'm actually really impressed and I'm, I'm really, really impressed by her. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think your ticket is great because I mean, she was with Harry Brown. She was his mm-hmm. running mate. And Harry Brown's amazing. And, you know, she yeah, has that's some street who, who cred, man. made me a libertarian, She's, actually, was Harry Brown, just FYI. A lot of people have said that, is that Harry Brown was who brought them to libertarianism. Yes. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is she's legit, man. And, and you are too. And me and you well, have had, you. like, hour-long discussions about free markets, you know? And it's, you're right on. You're spot on on your, on your messaging. And, uh, but I, I just got to ask, though, how was it working with... Um, Vermin Supreme. I mean, I know he's one of your best friends now, but what was that situation like? Vermin Supreme is fantastic to campaign with. And it's interesting because a lot of people didn't realize we had a well-oiled campaign machine behind us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a, a lot of that campaign machine has now moved on to the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. And, and Vermin has actually said he's going to be campaigning with me at times and, and doing stuff like that. So in, in some ways, this is sort of phase two of Team Supreme, right? You know, I, I was Vermin's running mate. Now I've made it onto the ticket and uh, using some of the, you know, nonlinear styles of messaging and so forth that, that you know, got us the prominence that it got us. And, you know, we made it, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, Vermin wouldn't even make it to the final debate stage when all was said and done. And instead, he made it to the final round. Mm-hmm. We made it to the final round of voting. Uh, but in terms of working with Vermin, Vermin is one of the kindest and most thoughtful 
and most intelligent men I have, intelligent people that I have ever met in my entire life. You know, a lot of people who have only seen the the boot and the ponies and the the satirical end of his messaging don't realize that, that, you know, they think he's just a funny guy or a clown or whatever. He's actually often the smartest person in the room and almost always one of the, if not the most thoughtful and caring people in the room. He is an absolute amazing human being. I am blessed to have met him in all of this, even before the, you know, I, I joined his campaign and he is a fantastic guy. I look forward to continuing the campaign with him, not just on this campaign, but on, you know, similar, you know, political activism interests that we have. And I think the way that he has been able to discover a way to reach out to a large number of voters who are so disgusted with the way things are in America that they don't want to hear anything from any politician. And, and if you listen to the reasons to why they they have stopped voting and why they they don't listen to politicians, these are very libertarian reasons. They'll say things like, because all government lies, all politicians lie. The government always has it out for us. I wish they'd just leave me alone. I don't even want to participate in their system because it gives it legitimacy. These are all libertarian reasons for just completely disengaging from the political system. Mm-hmm. And if we could reach them, they could be very powerful allies in, in libertarianism. The problem is they don't want to hear anything from anyone, but someone like Vermin entertaining them, getting their attention through entertainment, lowering their lowering their cognitive defenses through entertainment and getting their attention has a very real possibility. And, and, and we've shown it. We've seen the number of people that have come into libertarianism on the what we call the boot pill method. We, we bring them in with the <laughs> boots and the boots and the ponies and the cheesy bread and, you know, the, the toothbrushing. I was going to ask you and, about the federal explosives permit. Yeah. The federal explosives permit yeah. thing? I mean, listen, if we get into office, first of all, you're not going to need a permit. And <laughs> second of all, you're going to have so much more disposable income for cheesy bread. It's not even going to be serious. So, um, so yeah, no, but but no, Vermin is a, a fantastic guy. I look forward to continuing to work with him. And, you know, we did it. We showed people uh, that we were, uh, you know, a lot more legitimate than a lot of people initially thought. A lot of people that thought we were a joke starting off ended up voting to, for us all the way to the final round. So. It was impressive. I was blown away by how many really principled libertarians and people that were promoting the campaign. It really made me take a second look. Now, I've always personally felt like vermin belongs here. I like that libertarians, uh, everyone's welcome. I I love that about us. But uh, it it was really cool. So I was going to say that we've kind of mentioned control a few times already in the show. So I'd like to just carry that through and and talk to you about it and say, what control is good and when is control bad and when do you have it when do you not have it give us your take on control well if we're talking about control coming from the state i think that it is almost universally bad and and we mm-hmm. see how it's applied when the when the state tries to control the actions of people it always comes down whatever good intentions may have been intended for them to to have that kind of control or to exert that kind of control, it always ends up being abused. It always ends up being uh, applied in the most inequitable and harmful and abusive ways. It always ends up giving way to the interests of a small handful of cronies who have their, their, you know, who have their preferred politicians in place and are able to manipulate that control in a way that benefits them at the expense of everyone else. So I think we can, you know, universally understand that the state 
exercising control simply doesn't work. Um, I think that if we're talking control of ourselves, Mm -hmm. I think that that, you know, by contrast is, is almost universally good. We don't always make perfect decisions for ourselves, but we're far more likely to make good decisions for ourselves and to make good decisions in concert with others in cooperation with others, uh, for the betterment of ourselves and our, and our loved ones and our families and our neighborhoods and communities than will ever come from the state. Yeah. Do you think it's time that we just teach all the people in this culture that the only person they can control is themselves? I mean, do you think that that is something that's important for the LP to do? Or do you think it's just for the philosophizers and the people like us doing the podcasting, the people talking to their neighbors? I mean, how do we show people that the solution is not trying to control somebody else who inevitably end up wanting the government to do that? I think we all have a role in that. And that's that's one thing I've had to learn to transition to because, you know, doing podcasting and, and messaging and activism, I always focused on the philosophy first. I, w- mm-hmm. I would reach people where they were. And I even had started doing that with my campaigning in the last few months when I when I first decided to run for vice president. Right. When I would go out and knock on doors and housing projects in marginalized communities or when I would go to college campuses and talk to people, uh, I would sometimes try to open a conversation by asking them, for example, I'd say, you know, I have a question for you. Do you, do you think you own yourself just to kind of have some, you know, That's an interesting the thing, best to, get there. thing to open with, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it works because it, it would make college students that were in a rush to get somewhere and just wanted to get away from this guy who was walking up to them with a pamphlet. And uh, it would make them kind of stop and, and, and engage with me because they're like, well, that's a good question. I never thought of that. But then from there, I would talk about what their issues were and, and what concerned them. And, and what I found with people in housing projects, the biggest things were Oddly enough, occupational licensing, even though they didn't say my biggest problem is occupational licensing, their biggest problem was they couldn't get ahead in life because anytime they tried to do anything, the government was there to basically stop them from doing it. And it was because they couldn't afford the thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars just in compliance costs to do it. Cut hair. Yeah. Just just to cut hair, braid hair, yeah. uh, uh, make food for catering, do makeup, uh, handyman work and all that. Which is far more regulations on haircutting than there is just to be a police officer. That's right. That's right. Which is ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. so here are the cops who, you know, have minimal training coming through their neighborhoods. Uh, But now, of course, if there were a dangerous situation like that, where they needed needed to call 911 because there was a, a shooting or someone was threatening someone or something like that. Good luck for the police ever to show up. But if someone's cutting lawn, then almost assuredly a cop would show up wanting to see a license. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was actually one of their biggest problems Uh, with the college students. It was the fact that they had been roped into the system of going to college and running up debt just to do a, you know, a job in a chosen field of work. And so I talked with them about the fact that if the government wasn't involved with that, they could probably be doing free apprenticeship and uh, or free internship for what they wanted to do. And within a year or so, they'd meet whatever qualification was needed as a consensus within that within that professional community that they could do it themselves professionally and they lit up they never even no one even mentioned that to them before so you know all of this to say that you know in my political work uh, especially now running for office i tend to focus more on what is someone's immediate concern and how can we demonstrate that we are listening to what they have to say that we are trustworthy and empathetic characters that we now can present actual solutions to their to their problems, libertarian solutions based on our ideas. But then moving forward from that, and then this is where you guys come in and where all the activists out there come in, all of it goes back to the basic concepts of libertarianism. And I try to keep it as simple as possible. It all goes back to self-ownership. We mm-hmm. own ourselves, our lives, our bodies, our labor, and our property. That's right. And not our only hearts is it, and our minds. Yep. And everything. We own every part of ourselves. And not only is aggression, and, and the reason we are against aggression isn't just because – 
it's morally wrong, that it, you shouldn't hurt people, you shouldn't take their stuff, you shouldn't try to tell people what to do, you shouldn't try to control people. Mm -hmm. It's also because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. If I can take from the two of you whenever I see fit, if I can take from you and everyone else, and I don't have to actually, you know, voluntarily, you know, procure things by having value in the in the greater market, if I can just take from anyone at will, I'm not going to be a good steward of what I have because I can just take more whenever I want. Right. And y'all aren't going to be good stewards of what you have because, you know, I could come and take it from you. That's at right. Any point. That's right. And what is government and its poor, centrally planned, arbitrary, cronious solutions, but a system whereby a centralized authority claims the right to take from everyone at will. And that is why the system is not working at its very core. The aggression in and of itself is why it doesn't work, because it is a violation of our basic precepts of self-ownership. And it is not only not going to work, it is not only immoral, but it is going to lead to the absolute worst outcomes possible. Okay. So Spike, mm -hmm. really quick, last question before commercial break, but like sure. right now we have these riots going on, you know, and of course, you know, George Floyd was murdered. We, we saw, everyone yeah. saw it on camera. This is going on right now. What is your take on it? Does the state have anything to do with this? Of course they do, but I mean, like, is there a solution that maybe you thought of? Do you support the writing? I mean, do you support the protest? I mean, what's your yeah, opinion on the situation? Yeah. Right now? <laughs> yeah. So I actually made a viral video on this. It's at last, uh, at last look, it was something like 60,000 views that it's gotten. And, and it was basically, I am, that was a little bit of a humble brag there. Um, but anyway, I, so I, I made a, I made a, actually it wasn't very humble at all, but I, uh, I made a video about this talking about the protests and the riots. And, and here's the thing, because every time I, I talk about supporting the protests, there's at least one person that will say, yeah, but what about the rioting and the mm -hmm. looting? And that's a legitimate question. Now, of course, when they're talking about the looters, they're not talking about the civil asset forfeiture program, uh, where mm -hmm. the police right. and, and right. the, the state and federal police are, are taking billions of dollars a year from people who haven't even been convicted of a crime. And if the people are acquitted, they then have to sue for their own stuff back, even though they've been acquitted. They weren't talking mm -hmm. about that. And they're certainly not talking about the politicians and their cronies looting uh, us for trillions of dollars. I think something like $5 trillion alone this year to pay for their bailouts. They're talking about the looters who are going to private businesses and smashing windows and burning things down and stealing property. And that's a legitimate question. What about the looters? Well, let's look at what's happened here. We have unarmed protesters, peaceful protesters who are going out and protesting at times angrily, but mm -hmm. peacefully. And what did the police do? They corral them into small parts of the city. They concentrate all of the police force in that city in that specific area. And then the very second something goes the way they don't like, they start tear gassing and pepper balling them. Now, of course, tear gas is something that our troops can't use overseas because it violates the Geneva Convention. And most police departments uh, in most countries also don't use it for that same reason. But it's used, you know, very liberally here. And now they use these pepper balls, which are basically they're like paintball projectiles that are mm -hmm. filled with a chemical that's similar to pepper spray. And they're considered, quote unquote, less than lethal weapons. But people have died being shot by mm -hmm. them. And so they're liberally you know, spraying the crowd with with tear, tear gas and pepper balls, which, of course, if you're if you're there, if you're somewhere, you know, and you're upset and you're protesting police brutality and now here the police are brutalizing you, that's going to make a protest go south very quickly. Right. You have mm -hmm. people that were trying to disperse. Now they're angry yeah. at the same time. Here, the police have completely congregated in this one small part of the city, where, whereas in the entire rest of the city, they've left it almost largely unpoliced. Now, here we have the state has assumed the monopolistic control 
of having you know the the, the sole authority of uh, you know keeping the peace and 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 stopping looters and stopping violence, and they've completely abdicated that role and completely gone derelict of duty. And the opportunists realize this. The people who don't necessarily care about George Floyd or anything else, they don't care about police brutality, but they see an opportunity to loot and rob mm. and, and pillage, and they're taking that opportunity. They're so totally two different the- people, exactly. They're two different groups of people, and you have the police being violent against the ones who are protesting state violence and being completely, basically ignoring the actual looters, the people that they should be going after. They should be leaving the protesters alone and going after the looters and the rioters. It's almost as if they want there to be uh, Mm -hmm. uh, chaos so that they can say, well, see, this is why we need these military vehicles. That's right. This is Mm -hmm. why we need them. We need all of that. Here's another thing to bring up. Something that has been lost in the forest, uh, lost in the weeds a little bit here. You'll recall last month, there were all of the protests against the lockdown. And those protests were heavily armed. That's right. Often. The protesters showed up where at least half the people had guns. And of course, then back in February in Richmond, Virginia, there was a massive protest against the gun laws that were being considered in the Virginia legislature, where something like 20 or 30,000 heavily, heavily armed protesters, it looked like a militia had, a, a gigantic militia had descended on Virginia. Oh, man. And what did you see the police doing then? Nothing. They were just there kind of letting it happen. They let the people show up and express their grievances and leave. It's almost as though the police didn't want to bring tear gas to a gunfight. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's and right. So by contrast, now we have unarmed protesters who are protesting police violence peacefully, but the police see that they can use pepper balls on them. They can use tear gas on them. I don't care what color you are. If there's a thousand of you and you're armed and the police have tear gas, they're not going to use it on you because they would rather not tear gas a large group of armed people. That's right. And now I'm not telling everyone they need to go out and be armed, but I'm also not telling you that you shouldn't. What I am saying is that if you notice that the people who are out doing violence are the ones that the police are ignoring and the ones that are saying that state violence is bad are the ones that the police are abusing, that's all you need to know about what this is really all about for the police and for the state. Okay, rock and roll, man. Hey, make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-liberty radio program, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on how many nights per week, really? Seven nights per week. God damn, that's a lot of lot of shows on 190 plus radio stations coast to coast. It is pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart talking to Spike Cohen. Always launching ideas in your direction. We'll be back after this commercial break. Rock and roll. talking to Spike, and thank you so much for being here, sir. And uh, dude, really proud of you. I love what you have to say about the libertarian message, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you're you're principled. You're you're a capitalist. You're a free market capitalist. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, it's a dude, big difference. Yeah. Yes. And yep. dude, it's it's refreshing, you know. And I really like what your messaging is. And I just really hope that you get that message out there, man. That's the most important thing. You have this ticket. You have this great responsibility now. And I know the world is on your on your shoulders right now, but man, you could be the difference. You could be the change. 
And again, yeah, dude. Yeah, they already are. Well, yeah. I mean, like within our circle, sure. But I'm just saying like you with the, the normies. I mean, this is really what it's about is educating the normies. So Raylene, yep. uh, go ahead with your question. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, don't be sorry. So Spike, I, I love how you're laying out everything for us. So, and I know that you're very solution focused um, yeah. uh, as that's what we want to hear about. And that's what actually the American public is really needing to know. We know about the problems. That's why they love Bernie. That's why they listen to Yang. That's why they were listening to all these people. They, they get the problems. And right. so the fact that you can sell them on the truth that you know the problems is great, but what are the solutions? Let's hear how you're going to tell it. Well, going back to what we were just talking about with the police, uh, we are implementing what we are calling common sense police controls for the children. And uh, part of that with the, the common sense police controls is ending the 1033 military surplus program where the, the government's just dumping military equipment on the police for no real good reason. Um, we had a situation we saw where, you know, the L.A. police department or L.A. school district got 23 grenade launchers just because they could. And now they're just sitting on grenade launchers for no good reason. I'm not sure why you would need that for a school, but, you know, Filthy. they have that. So we would end that. We would end the militarization of the police. We would end qualified immunity, this ridiculous legal doctrine that basically says that police and politicians can't be sued for abuses that happen over the course of, of their of their work. Um, that's absurd. And that needs to end immediately. Yes. We would use the Department of Justice to aggressively go after abusive police and departments and, and unions that protect them. We would, in general, we would just maximize the civil liberties that are often unafforded to uh, large numbers of us, especially marginalized communities, people of color, gender and sexual minorities, religious and ethnic minorities, the poor, the homeless, immigrants, people that, and really all of us that mm -hmm. are being denied these uh, liberties and protections. When it comes to uh, everything else, we want to, again, we want to abolish the ATF. We want to abolish the DEA. We want to abolish the Department of Homeland Security. We wanted to abolish the border patrol. We want to abolish the wars overseas and bring all the troops home and keep only whatever military is is necessary to protect against the aggression. We want to end taxation and move government towards a model eventually of just fees for services. If government has a service that is needed, then it has a demand, which means people are willing to pay for it. That's and right. It will be willing to pay. Yeah, it's voluntary and moving towards that, moving towards a voluntary system. But at, at the very least now, abolishing the IRS, uh, refusing to sign any bills uh, that add to the debt and simply saying that the debt will be paid down, that we will end the debt, allowing people to opt out of Social Security and Medicare while protecting the people that are currently on it because they were sold on a lie that they now in their late, you know, older age are now having to live off of. These right. are the solutions to solve the problems. You know, imagine as an American having thousands of dollars more in your pocket and your money not losing value over time because we've ended the Fed and you now have free market banking and a, a choice of currencies to choose from. Mm. Imagine a situation where the bureaucrats have been removed from the schools and the federal politicians and their cronies have been removed from your schools and the educational decisions are being made between you and the teachers and your children. Imagine a situation in which you don't fear the police. If you see a police officer, you know that they're only there to protect your life and your liberty and your property. They have your Imagine best interest in mind. Yeah. Wow, I can't even, I never even put it that way in my own brain before, keep going. Yeah, and just imagine a situation in which you are freer, safer, healthier, happier, and in which your children and your communities have a brighter future than we could have ever possibly imagined before. Bam. That is what Joe and I promise to you. And with your help and your support, uh, we will we will take that all the way to the White House. Bam. Mm. All right, man. Here it is. 
what we do on the second segment. It's called Rocket Fire. Rocket what we do on Rocket, Rocket Fire, Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Mr. Spike Cohen, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? I'm as ready as I will ever be, yes. All right, here we go, man. Question one. Is politics culture or is culture politics? Politics is downstream of culture and a reflection of the culture and the cultural conversation. And that's why the most important thing for libertarians to do is to affect the cultural conversation and see the political benefits from it. Rock and roll, man. Question two. Do you have a role in holding accountable the individuals and institutions responsible for widespread abuse of migrants at the border and in detention? Yeah, I believe so. I think that, you know, if we look at the way that the founders intended and, and, and what lines up with self-ownership, I believe that migration controls are a violation of your right to host, hire or house whomever you wish on your private property or to travel to properties where you are welcome. And I think the police state that has been created to try to uh, infringe upon our rights to associate as we wish have created the nightmares that we're seeing on the border and elsewhere and they need to end. Bam. Bam. Question three. What is your plan for reducing threats? Um, this could be conventional or nuclear around the world. Is it a market solution? Is it a presidential solution? Is it a government solution? I think that a lot of the boogeymans that we face were created by intelligence services. We know that Al-Qaeda was created by the U.S government. We know that uh, ISIS was created by the U.S. government. We know that major governments don't want to attack us because they'd rather trade with us. Uh, and so that's why we believe in making the U.S., as Joe likes to call it, one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. We bring the troops home. We end the epidemic of veteran suicides and veteran PTSD and veteran traumatic brain injury and all sorts of other terrible things, not to mention the countless deaths and suffering that have happened in the countries that our government has brutalized for the past several decades. We end it and allow the healing to begin. Bam. All right, man. Question four. How would you guard against the dominance of the military industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about in 1961? I think the biggest thing is you end the Fed. The American people would not agree to taxation Bam. increases to pay for our mm. empire. And so instead, what we do, what the government does is the Fed prints out endless trillions of dollars in currency That's right. that it then lends to itself at rock bottom interest rates that we have to pay over time, which is the most insidious form of theft. Not only are they stealing from us in the future with interest, but they're also stealing from us now because every time they print out more, and this may not be 60 seconds, they end up printing out endless amounts of Federal Reserve notes that they, without any corresponding increase of value, which diminishes the value of all of the Federal Reserve notes that they force us to use as the sole legal tender. That needs to end and be replaced with free market banking. Not only would it end inflation or at least greatly reduce inflation, not only would it give us more control of our ability to control our finances, but it would also end the empire and the war on drugs and all the other horrific things that are financed by think by that because they know that we would never agree to taxes to pay for it. Wow. Great answer, dude. Question five. Is there a solution for homelessness and the poverty stricken? I think that if you look at the NIMBY laws and if you look at the zoning laws, we have a situation where we don't have a shortage of housing. We have a shortage of property that the government allows to be used for housing. And so for as a result, the access to housing becomes artificially restricted. The amount of supply becomes artificially reduced and therefore the, the actual cost goes up. And so because of the NIMBYs and the Karens who want their neighborhoods to continue looking <laughs> the way that they want them to look, they right. end up because they want to would there let them eat cake policy towards the homeless instead of allowing housing to be marked 
market-based and affordable, they put an increasing number of Americans in a situation where they can't afford housing, and then they treat them as though they're a blight. I would say that the blight is people who are telling people what they can do with their properties, even though they know that it causes, in some cases, millions of Americans to not be able to afford a home. And so I think the best way to deal with that is simply to allow the market to do what it does and get the government out of it. Allow the spontaneous order of the market for, for uh, properties to Bam. be able to create yes. the housing based on both the uh, demand needed and what the market value of that housing would be. I agree. I agree. And this is kind of a trick question, but be careful on how I word this. Do you favor curtailing existing background checks by private companies? I don't favor curtailing background checks by private companies. What I favor is expunging the records of people who have been convicted of victimless crimes. Okay. And I also am in favor of moving towards a more restorative system of justice, where if someone is not such a threat to society that they need to be locked up, don't lock them up. Put them in a situation where they have to I pay agree. back and restore the damage that was done so that they can go on and live better lives. And the people who they victimized were made whole. Exactly. If someone is a, it's, it's a major threat, a serial rapist, a murderer, something like that. That's one. Why thing. would you release them? At, right. Why? Yeah. And, that, and, and that, that's an understandable thing. And, and even then in jail, if they can be rehabilitated, that's great. But we've created a system whereby petty thieves go to jail and have to become murderers to survive. And then however many years or decades that they're let go, they go into a world that they are not used to. They are told that they have a criminal record and can't get a good job. They're told they can't leave That's the state. Right. Basically, they have to choose between and then they go abject back poverty to crime. or a life of crime to be able to live their That's lives. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to move toward uh, away from retributive justice and towards restorative and protective justice. I'm with and, you. Uh, so, so it's not, this is not the problem of the employers. The employers are simply taking the cue from the government. That's it needs right. To happen That's right. Level. Dude, 100% agree with you. <laughs> Bam. Question seven. Why do you think libertarianism isn't mainstream? Like what have we done wrong? And I mean, a lot of people say it's our messaging. I don't know if it's the message. I mean, are we at a disadvantage just because we're not on the news, stuff like that? What's your thoughts? 30 to 60 seconds to explain why libertarians don't win. No, listen, I, I think the short answer mainstream, is that- Mainstream, Yeah, ma mainstream. The reason it's not mainstream is because crony corporate media doesn't want it to be mainstream. Even though libertarian ideas aren't mainstream or are mainstream in many cases, framing anti-authoritarian ideas as libertarian ideas is verboten in major media, which is why we have to subvert them through viral marketing on social media, take control of the narrative for the rare times that we do get in front of them instead of giving passive interviews and answering the questions the exact way that they want. But another big problem is that, you know, in terms of messaging, libertarians tend to be more cerebrally driven. So people, the way people process things is through a a combination of intuition, emotion, and intellect. And all of us process things differently given you know, from individual to individual and individual subject to individual subject. Libertarians tend to be more intellectual in how we process things in terms of you know, systemizing stuff. And it doesn't mean we're smarter, it just means that's how we process things more so. We have less of a, of a balance between the three. We tend to be more cerebrally driven on things. And so when we present stuff to people, we present it as an ethos and a philosophy and almost like a life system to live by a belief system, whereas most people take things on an ad hoc, intuitive, emotional, and intellectual way. And mm -hmm. so we need to process, we need to learn to approach people from their precepts, go to where they are. This is what I learned in over 20 years of, of starting and growing and operating a business uh, in sales and communication skills. This is, you reach people where they are, not just in their spaces, but also from their precepts. You listen to what it is they have to say 
you reflect back that you understand what they said, you present yourself as someone who is caring and trustworthy. And then from there, having listened to what their concerns are and demonstrated that you care about it, then you present our solutions. And once you have their heart and mind that way, you can take them on the full journey. You don't have to water down the message. You can present to them the benefits and the ways that our ideas and solutions will directly benefit them. And you've got them all the way. Bam, dude. Great answer. Here's one that I actually asked our last show, but I think it's an important question. It's what's more important for our party now, building up the national party numbers by aggressively recruiting independents, Democrats, and Republicans, or a softer recruitment method utilizing our existing members and focusing in on principles and education? I honestly, and I'm not trying to be difficult, I'm not sure that I see those as mutually exclusive, and I'm not sure that you can necessarily do one without the other. I think that if you are being strong and principled and demonstrating yourself in a bold way, you are going to bring in more people. We talk about respectability in politics. Our current president is a bright orange man who speaks at a low scream and gold plates everything. He's been the butt of pop culture jokes for something like 40 years. The Hmm. reason he grew his cult of personality that he has now is because he did the things that I'm talking about. He demonstrated himself as someone who was actually listening to others or at least pretending to. He presented solutions that at least appeared to be completely different from what anyone else was offering. He leveraged any media that he got to frame it as him against the world and his supporters against the world, and they bought into it. And we need to simply do the same thing, and we can be bold we can be principled, we can grow our membership, and we can, as we grow our membership, bring them into, bring the greater body politic into our culture and allow the prevailing culture of libertarianism to affect them so that as they're coming in, they're also becoming more libertarian. So not only do I not see those things as mutually mutually exclusive, I think they both feed off of each other and the better we're doing one, the better we'll be doing the other. Bam, great answer. Question nine. Why do people laugh? What makes a good joke good? I think the unexpected nature of it, I think that the more you can get people, you know, they say the best punchline is a is a setup that leads somewhere that no, someone never expected. And I think that also just the general good naturedness of it. I'm not someone who's really people have considered me a comedian before. I've never really deconstructed it. But I think the more you, <laughs> you are pretty much, funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, I try my best. But I, I think the more that you take people on a journey one way and then and then switch it up on them, I think that's sort of the core of, of what would make something funny. Bam, and the final question, question 10. Is there such thing as a good cop? <laughs> what does an elected... Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, no let, me, let me say this, because I'm joking. Just, just me, go towards the system. <laughs> no, 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 because no, here's the thing. I have very close loved ones and family members who are officers and retired officers. The issue is not individual police officers. The the issue is the actual state and the system whereby law enforcement has gone from, if it ever was, a system of, of protecting and serving people and their lives and property and liberties, and has turned into this system of sort of half revenue collection, half enforcement of immoral victimless crime laws, with a, with a small fraction of it being what we would want it to be, the protection of people's lives and, and property and, and, and liberty. Um, so I think that it's more about the system. I, I try not to get into a, a divisive thing of, of saying, you know, all cops are bad or anything like that. What I do say to police officers is look at what you are doing. Look at what your job is. If you are a libertarian or libertarian leaning, is what you do reflective of what you believe? And if not, what does that mean? What do you want to change as a result of that? How will you work with us 
to change that because we want to be agents of change. This isn't about being right and pissing people off, which is what libertarians are really good at. Yeah, this is really about this. Yeah. this is about affecting change. And if we can bring police officers in, if we can bring retired officers in, if we can bring people who support the police in and have them recognize that we're not against the concept of enforcing and protecting people, we're just the opposite. We want people to be protected. We want lives and rights to be protected. What we are against is what the state has perverted that role into. And we want that to end. Dude, 100%. And that's rocket fire. Give it up for Spike <laughs> Cohen. Bam. I, just, I feel like I need to be doing side of the, uh, um, uh, you know, like uh, uh, sound effects and stuff when I'm doing like, you know, <laughs> yeah. going by stuff. Yeah. Hey, Dean, uh, honestly, probably one of the best rocket fires we've had, honestly. Uh, yeah. I've, we've we've gone through plenty of people. And uh, I think you're right up there with maybe Remzo. Remzo did a goddamn good job. Oh, my God. Gosh, oh, Ramsell's well. great. Yeah, Ramsell did a really good, and Apollo Slater did a really good job on Rocket Fire too. So, just to let you know, one of the best, man. So, seriously, Thank you. that means a lot. That means a lot. Yeah, rock and roll, man. And so, Raylene, take it away. Okay, so let's talk about media getting media attention. You mentioned Trump, and and Trump did do a great job yeah. uh, using the media against themselves. They went in there trying to make him the butt of the joke. I feel like the media was picking him, and and the the GOP did not want him in the beginning. They, they didn't no, want him. No, no, they didn't want him all the way up to the convention. Yeah. That's right. And so he used the media. And so we also know that that they only give you two minutes. So if you're going to get on an, if you're going to get on Fox News or you're going to get on CNN or MSNBC or you're going to get in these major publications, we know that they are going to try to use anything you say against you. Or give yep. you very little time. What's the what's the package? What is the plan? What are you going to do? Well, that's the problem, right? We fall into, as libertarians, we fall into the trap every mm -hmm. single election cycle. We're told that if our candidates show up uh, and are get, we're, we're not going to be given a lot of time, we're not going to be given a lot of uh, opportunities, but we will be given a couple. When, when we go to those, we are completely almost passive and we give nice, respectful answers in the way that the, the, the answer the questions in the way that they were intended to be answered, that this time at long last, they will finally give us a seat at that table that mm -hmm. we want with the, with the rest of the Republicrats. Uh, this time, Charlie Brown, <laughs> we will let you kick the football. And every single time, what do they do? They do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. They pepper us with nothing but ridiculous gotcha questions. They use whatever time they have to try to make us look as foolish as possible. And it doesn't matter how well we answer those questions because we're all human and and at some point, we're not going to know the name of a town in Syria. And in that right. moment, they go, aha, this person doesn't even know what Aleppo was. We can't take this person. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. You though, you're right. You're right. Because, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I was like, what the f Aleppo? I didn't know I didn't either. I didn't care about that. I didn't at really all. care either. That it's, wasn't the point. The point you make a great valid point, dude. It's like, but who gives I mean, and not it, only that, but he gave a great answer. Once they told him what Aleppo was, he talked about non-interventionism and yes. the fact that we were making things worse over there. But they didn't talk about that. What do they keep saying? Gary Johnson doesn't even know what Aleppo is. And they tanked him. They had the one opportunity, of course, Bill Weld, his one opportunity, went up and said, vote for Hillary. But, uh, so so I, I definitely won't be doing that. I can promise that. Perfect. Here's how you handle that. Perfect example. Uh, Justin Amash was on an inter interview with MSNBC. Uh, I think MS, it was either MSNBC or CNN. Mm -hmm. And they asked him about the armed protests in Michigan. 
and the ones that uh, ended with no one being harmed because uh, police don't go after armed protesters, incidentally. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, uh, they asked him about it and they said, you know, these armed protesters, they're going and they're intimidating legislators in the state house. You're yeah. a legislator. Do you want to be intimidated or do you denounce these protests? And he went, uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I do denounce them. Now, now what the governor is doing there is wrong. And, and you know, I support people's right to be armed and, and right to protest. But yeah, I, I guess no one should be intimidated. He fell into their trap. Yes. Right. God bless them man he's pushing for ending qualified immunity if he decides to run for re-election we will support him 100 percent. but he did what a lot of people unfortunately do they they get rope-a-doped into it and it's i, I certainly don't fall them because everyone else does yeah. yeah you answer the it's question easy. in your own it's way right? to fall into it yeah here's how to handle that you go in understanding that you are dealing with ad- adversaries you don't have to be adversarial but understand that you are dealing with people who are expressly trying to tank everything that you want to mm-hmm. do so when you so if i were answered that question asked that question about you know uh, people with guns i'd say oh man the guns on the state house that's terrible how many people died mm-hmm. <laughs> that- oh, none none died that's yeah. so wait a second so so you're telling me hundreds or even thousands of people came together with guns heavily armed very tightly packed together and no one got hurt it sounds to me like uh, your whole narrative about guns just That's got right. destroyed, about guns being dangerous. Now, now let me now since we're talking about uh, you know large groups of people that are heavily armed with the explicit purpose of intimidating everyone, let's talk about the police state. Let's talk about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Tamir Rice and John Crawford and Duncan Lemp and Waco and Ruby Ridge and Lavoy Finnicum mm-hmm. and let, let, let's talk about these. And if and when they try to change the subject, they'll say, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. My understanding. Bam was that we were talking about large groups of people yep. with guns who were intimidating everyone. Why are we avoiding the subject? Are you against the Black Lives Matter movement and their attempt to stop police violence against the disproportionate use of police violence against people of color? Turn it around mm-hmm. on them. Make them do what they wanted you to do. Make them question their precepts on live TV. And as much as they will hate you, the ratings will demand that they bring you back because yes. they are a dying medium and they need attention and they need ad revenue. That is how we seize the narrative. That is how we subvert the trap and use it for our own. Okay, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest website. Spike, give us your .com, sir. JOJ2020.com. We could use your donations. We would love you to for you to volunteer. Sign up on our form. And if you look for Joe Jorgensen on any uh, any social media, you'll find her. My Twitter is at Real Spike Cohen, and my uh, Facebook is Facebook.com/slash Literally Spike Cohen. Or if you're searching in the Facebook search bar, Spike Cohen, your next VP. Dude, love to have dude, 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 loved dude. having you on the show. Thank you, man. You, you on rocked it man and i i'm a supporter i'm a 100 yeah. percent supporter yeah uh, you. you know me and you have been friends before this whole presidential and right. i agreed with you then but it's good to have a refresher to know where you stand now and dude i'm thoroughly impressed and i'm, I'm glad you got the nomination Thank and you. you have my support and i'll be out there for you and uh that means a yeah, lot Thank dude, you guys you rocked it man and again we have uh we if you guys want to hear more of spike on we have the, uh, what do we got, Raylene? Come on, you're, you're good at advertising. Yeah, oh. what do we got? Well, <laughs> well, so we're going to put him on blast and, on the oh. after party. And where, Sounds fun. Yeah, where the, where the people on Facebook and whatnot will go ahead and ask him questions and he can answer them. And if you give us a dollar at supportblastoff.com, you'll be able to listen to a it. A dollar? It'll be fun. A, yeah, that's it. That's it. 
Oh my God. Just, just a, a dollar. dollar. Yeah. Just like a, a buck, yeah. a boom, a bam. Yeah. Be free. Use that free market. Donate where you want to. Listen to Spike Cohen. You will want to hear what he has to say on the after party. All right. Roll rock and roll. Raylene, thank you. And Spike, thank you so much, man. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket, Raylene Lightheart. I'll blast off. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. You want to endorse me next? Come inbox yeah, me and honestly, my next endorsement. Like that's how. Why I not be authentic? We need authenticity, regardless of of whatever. We know that your principles are on point. We know that you know how to sell the message, but the authenticity itself is everything. So do not sell that short. No, okay? no, no, not at all. All all I have done is learn to. Uh, the two th modifications I've made since I got the nomination are I talk less about the state and more about Republicans and Democrats, what Republicans and Democrats have done. Because if you start <laughs> right. getting into concepts like the state, it's effusive right. and people don't fully understand it. That That is, I, I bring them, you know, I, I'm spike filling people, bring them into libertarianism by d divorcing them from the Republicans and Democrats, and then leave it to the podcasterati, y'all and everyone else and, and me on my shows to now break down the, 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 the greater concepts. But I focus more on Republicans and Democrats and the system they've created as opposed to going, the state.